0: Well, good morning, church. Y'all all all right? Man, what a great way to celebrate already. Um, I'm wet, okay? This is not sweat, I promise. Okay, that'd be disgusting. But uh, that means I was getting after it. But man, what an awesome time to celebrate that. Um, If you've been here over the last couple weeks, you know that we have been walking through this series called Back to Basics, and really with this understanding and agreement that over history, um, whether it's uh, the influence of politics and culture and just, our own thoughts that, unfortunately, what has taken place is what people understand about Christianity or what it means to be a Christian has really taken on a different form. And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Scripture and saying, here are the core beliefs, the basic understandings of, of what the gospel is all about, what Christianity is truly all about. So what, we, what we've been doing is been looking into Scripture to say, okay, what did Jesus teach What did the disciples devote themselves to? What did the early church really kind of build their understanding on? Let's look at that, not what culture says, politics, and all those things. So as we've been doing that, we've been using uh, what is known as the Apostles' Creed as this great framework this historical document in church history to really kind of unpack some of these truths. We're not preaching the creed, we're preaching the the Bible, but it's unpacked these incredible things that we see about who God is, what he's all about, all those things. So in this journey, we've looked at who is God, And the framework of the Apostles' Creed says, okay, we see that God is Father Almighty. He's the maker of heaven and earth. So we see that God is sovereign, that He is in control. He's the maker and creator of all things. We believe that, that at the very beginning, that, out on me again. Um, And that in that, what we see is that He is Sustainer. That he made everything for him and by him, scripture says. So then we pivot and we see who Jesus is. And we see the second person of the Trinity. And we see that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Well, let me back up. I got ahead of myself. We see that he's God's only son. And we see that he is fully man and fully God. And then through that, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Then he uh, was crucified. He was dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand of our Father. We looked at that last week. And so it brings us to this this, uh, third person of the Trinity. So we've looked at God. We've looked at Jesus. Now we look at the Holy Spirit. We see in the um, Creed, it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's be honest, okay? I'm just going to attack the the elephant in the middle of the room, especially if you grew up Southern Baptist, um, that oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it kind of wigs us out. We really don't understand what it means and whether we have preconceived notions or a misunderstanding or whatever the case may be, there's thoughts that come to our mind. So I'm just going to be transparent for many of us, Um, If you're like me, when you think of the Holy Spirit, you think of maybe something you've seen on TV, like a Benny Hinn movement or something. There's like playing snakes, speaking in tongues, healing, people slapping, they're falling out, okay? And so we kind of think that's what it means um, for the Holy Spirit. Maybe you grew up that way. Maybe you have a friend that said this or that. Um, But here's the thing is that you and I as believers have been given this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's our responsibility to understand what exactly is the Holy Spirit and what is his role in our life? Because if we don't, what has ended up happening in our lives is we treat the Holy Spirit kind of like that weird uncle that shows up for Christmas or Thanksgiving. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, what is he doing here? Please just stay and don't go to the kid's table, okay? Um, And so we kind of keep it over there and we don't fully understand the work of it. And so we have to have this understanding of this incredible gift, because if not, essentially what you and I are doing are taking a gift that, that Jesus even teaches to his disciples that we have as believers, and we're suppressing the power of God in our life. That what we see is the Holy Spirit is actually a part of the gospel, meaning the gospel means good news. And some of the good news is not only that the, the Jesus died for our sins, not only did he conquer death and raise from the grave three days later, but that he gave us the Holy Spirit to be with us, to dwell in us. That is good news, that we have his presence with us as we walk through life. Now, two things I do want to mention in this kind of understanding, there's really two different extreme views of the Holy Spirit, all right? The first one is, and I'm totally botching this because it's hard to say, cessationalist or sensationist, all right? What that means, it's rooted in the word cease. Now, some people believe that the Holy Spirit cease, ceases to exist now, that it was relegated to a certain time of the apostles and the disciples and guys like Paul and Peter and all those different things, that once that kind of age, kind of um, aged out per se, that it, the Holy Spirit no longer is teaching or working, that it just stopped, that they didn't have scripture, they didn't have the Bible, and so that's um, the Holy Spirit's done now. We have scripture now, so we don't need the Holy Spirit. Let me be clear. That is not what we see in scripture, okay? That is a false understanding and view. Now, to the other extreme, I would say, is sensationalist. See the word sensation. Where this group of people, the Holy Spirit is everything. It's like, man, everything and everywhere. It is all about the Holy Ghost. So, I'm like, let me get, let me catch some Holy Ghost, okay? And so they're on this extreme. Now, here's what's um, dangerous about this view: oftentimes, people who sit in that camp, they um, they will equate things like uh, speaking in tongues, healing, um, you know, like just as an out, outward focus of your salvation. So for instance, they would say, if you're not speaking in tongues, you're not healing, those types of things, then you don't really have the Holy Spirit, therefore you're not really saved. Very dangerous place to be. And so we have to understand that as a church and as believers, we have a healthy view not to treat the Holy Spirit as an it or some kind of random go superhero, But that as this incredible gift that God has given to us as believers, and what we're going to see, my hope this morning, is for us to really see who is the Holy Spirit and what is his role. And my prayer is that you walk out of here at least with a little bit more uh, of of that information. And and truth be told, there is no way, because I'm already rushed with time, There's no way that I can cover every facet of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be things I miss. There's going to be things I don't catch. And you can send all your hate mail, all right, to uh, D at UpstateChurch.org. Okay, so go ahead and send it, and I'll just put it in spam. So, no, just kidding. I'll read it. But I know I'm not. There's no way I can effectively do justice to. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit in 15 minutes and counting, okay? And so there's going to be some things, but let me kind of hit some highlights. But before we do that, let's read scripture together. We're going to be in John chapter 14, the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth gospel, the New Testament. And what is so beautiful about this picture is that the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, is actually teaching his disciples about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So they are in the upper room. This is called the upper room discourse. And in the upper room, Jesus is preparing the hearts of the disciples to say, hey, this is what's gonna happen in the days ahead. And so as you can imagine, they've got all kinds of questions, all kinds of different things, but we're gonna read um, chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. So let's dive in. It'll be on the screens. Um, uh, This is Jesus talking. He says this, "'If you love me, you will keep my commandments.'" And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. You can circle that, underline it, um, whatever. We're going to come back to that. To be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, disclaimer, this is what Jesus is saying here. The Holy Spirit only dwells in believers. So the world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't understand this concept of Jesus living inside of you and his power inside of you. It doesn't make sense because it only, um, the Holy Spirit only dwells inside believers. When you and I come to a point in our life to say, okay, I recognize my sin, I acknowledge that, and I give my life to Jesus, then the Spirit comes inside of us. And so Jesus is saying, hey, the world's not gonna be able to see it. They're not gonna understand it, but you can. You've been, been with me. You see me. You know that the Father is here, all those different things. Verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me, and I in you, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I uh, will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, Judas, not Iscariot, I love this, all right? Because it's like Judas, not, not that guy, not the guy that denied Jesus and kissed him, you know, or, or not denied, portrayed him and you know, ratted him out to the authorities. Not that Judas, another Judas, all right? He said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit Whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. You can underline teach you. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. You can circle peace. Not as the world gives do do I give to you. I don't give you peace like the world gives you peace. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I'll come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world... May know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go up from here. Now, I know that's a lot to digest. It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant in a lot of ways. And let me quickly kind of go through and kind of through this as, the Jesus, as Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for you and me? The first thing that we see is He is our helper. All right, here's an incredible role that the Holy Spirit plays. Um, Some translations actually say advocate or counselor, but this is exactly it. And as our helper, there's a couple different roles that he plays in helping us. The first one being that the Holy Spirit reveals and convicts us of sin. Aren't you encouraged this morning? Okay. He, he shows us things that are not in alignment with his teaching, who he is, things that do not honor God. He reveals those things later, a couple of chapters later in John 16, 8 says, and when he comes talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And um, chapter 16, verse, um, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so let me kind of break this down a little bit. When the Holy Spirit begins to work, right, his very first step in our lives is to reveal sin, for us to acknowledge who he is and who we're not, to show things that separate us from God. That is his job. He reveals those things. And as he reveals those things, the Holy Spirit is really the agent of regeneration, Meaning that he is the one that brings about salvation for us, our eyes to open. I'll never forget when I was 14 years old, I heard the gospel for the very first time at a um, lock-in. There was pizza and girls and I said, I'm there, okay? I didn't know Jesus. But that pastor, that youth pastor preached something. I couldn't tell you what he preached. But in that moment, a seed was planted by the Holy Spirit that said, there's something off in your life, Dustin. There's something going on. You're not happy. You don't have purpose. You, you can't find satisfaction in things. And so I'm showing you this. I'm showing you. And so through that, it be, uh, be, uh, continued to stir in my life that the Holy Spirit was revealing, hey, that's not okay. That's not good. That separates you from me. Do you want a relationship with me? All of these different things as he's revealing and doing that. And so he's this agent of salvation. Now that's the very first step in a believer's life. But then it continues to the process of what is known as sanctification. So last week, we looked at as Jesus died and, and um, was buried and uh, resurrected and ascended, that completed the process of what is known as justification. Jesus died, was resurrected, and paid the, the way to heaven for you and I to spend eternity with him. It paid, he paid the price of our sins. That's justification. He justified us. Now this is, with the Holy Spirit, is the process of sanctification, meaning that in our lives, the Holy Spirit reveals and convicts sin that it brings to, it's brought to our attention and our desire is to say, that's not good, let me get rid of it. And that is the process of you and I becoming more like Jesus. We should never really be complacent in our walk with God. A year from now, I should be more like Jesus than I am right now. Five years from now, more like Jesus. Now, that process will never end until we die and we go to heaven and we're in the presence of the Almighty. But in this process of sanctification, you and I and the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit is uh, uh, showing us the things that are in our life that are keeping us from truly living for God. I like to kind of equate it with this analogy. That, um, you know, when you don't take out the trash, it really stinks, Right? So in our house, we have like this, everybody thinks it's so fancy. It was like at Costco for 30 bucks, but it's like a you wave your hand over it and it like the, the garbage can lid opens. Everybody's like, man, that's so fancy. I'm like, $29.99 at Co- Costco, all right? But you have that trash can, but we also have one of these trash cans that you pull, like it's like hidden in a cabinet. I always forget about that trash can. And a lot of times we'll put like, because it's right by the sink when we're like doing meat, we'll put like the wrappers of the meat in there. And man, have, that stinks so bad. All right. You pull that thing out and it's like Merry Christmas. All right. You pull that thing out and it smells so bad because you haven't taken it out. And a lot of the ways the Holy Spirit is like, let's take out the trash, bro. Let me show you the trash that's stinking in your life. It's time for you to take it out so you can honor me. That's what the Spirit does. He reveals and that's how he helps us in this. The second thing that we see is that he sustains us. He gives us strength um, in those things. And so we can do that. Let me go back to this in Galatians 5, verses 16 and 18. Paul says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Write this down, it'll be on the screen. Our submission to the Spirit of God provides transformation to our spirit of flesh. You and I are in this war of flesh and spirit. The Spirit's like, I want you to be more like Jesus. And we're saying, I want to be more like the world. Not in that voice. That'd be weird, okay? But, like, we're in this battle back and forth, and they're in opposition to one another. And the Spirit's like, I want you to be filled with the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. And our sinful nature is saying, no, I kind of like my life. I like my decisions. I want to do it this way and that way. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, do it this way. And that's what Paul is saying, that it's our submission to the Spirit to say, I want the Holy Spirit to work, and I want to be obedient to it and provide transformation for my flesh. That it's no longer about my life, my desires, my wants. They're in opposition of those things. And it's the Holy Spirit that really reveals this desperation, our need for him. That's why he's the helper for you and I to say, I can't do it. I need help. And some of you really need some help. Okay. So what we see here, point two, is that he's also our teacher. John says that, or Jesus is talking. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So if you remember in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that Jesus talked and taught about, uh, or with authority. There was power in his words. And so the disciples are like, you're about to leave us? Man, we've been by your side, we've heard all these incredible teachings. How are we gonna remember this? And he says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach you. Here's the two ways that he teaches you and me. One, the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture. It makes the words, okay, think about this. The Word of God, the Bible, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's written by men under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit is helping pin the, the, the notes and the text of Scripture, as we read it, the Holy Spirit is also teaching you and me how to make sense of those things. Because there's times, let's be honest, there's times you read stuff and you're like, what does that even mean? And the beauty of it is, I could read something right now. This is the Holy Spirit. And it can mean one thing right now in my life and in my circumstances. And a year from now, I can read the same exact verse. And because God's word is living and active and the Holy Spirit is working, I can apply it totally different. That doesn't mean it, it didn't change. But the Holy Spirit is revealing and illuminating the text Um, to us the second thing that through this um, this being a teacher does is that he clarifies truth the holy spirit shows us that he's the spirit of truth it clarifies what's true and what's not true so let me kind of tell you how this works when people say one um, the holy spirit told me to do this if it is not in alignment with scripture it's false it's a lie the spirit did not teach you to do that it's not in alignment with god's word Or, hey, God showed me this, and it's not in the Bible, but, you know, here's a new revelation. All right? So this is where we get in trouble with, like, Mormonism and and the Book of Mormon or Christian science. We start to add things. We say, this is a new revelation from God. No, it's not. This is the revelation of God. This is the truth. Nothing can be added or taken away from it. And so in this... Uh, Being the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit helps us and then teaches us to evaluate and say, this is it. This is what I'm learning in my private time with God. This is what I'm learning corporately in our worship time for us to come and to say, this is what he is teaching me. This is what he is showing me. This is truth. And we can compare it and say, that's not true. And this is. So he teaches us that. And then finally, our third point is that he is our peace. Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus also calls the Holy Spirit comforter. And I don't know about you, I'm so thankful as a believer when I'm going through really difficult times that he's able to sustain me and give me peace. I don't think we have to look very far to say, As as Jesus is teaching, the world's not going to give you peace. Man, I look at the world, it it stresses me out even more. As my mom used to say growing up, "It's going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket, you know? We look around, there's more school shootings, there's more deaths, there's more stabbings, there's more hijackings, there's more this, that, hate, everything. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I abide in you. I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you comfort. And oftentimes, you and I, what we do is we rely on ourselves and our flesh, and it causes all kind of anxiety and depression and worry and stress and everything else. And I'm not saying those things aren't going to exist in our lives, but what we have to learn as believers is to tap into this greatest peace. Remember when Jesus came, he was proclaimed to be the Prince of Peace. And Jesus, in this moment, tells his disciples, he says, I know it's going to be a hard road. You're going to be persecuted. There's going to be all kind of things the world's not gonna give you that peace. So lean in and let me give you peace. So here's my invitation, just in closing. I know that's like rapid fire and I'm probably going 400 miles an hour. But in this, here's my invitation to you. Are you trusting the Holy Spirit to help you, to teach you and to give you peace? You might be here this morning and your life's a wreck. You're stressed to the max. You don't know which way to turn. And you're relying on yourself other than the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons we celebrate baptism is to show that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and we are giving everything to Him. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with. You might, this, this might all be brand new and I would love to talk to you more about it, but lean into whatever the Spirit is speaking to you this morning. No matter what, you, what you're thinking, you can come down here during this closing song, use this as an altar, come down and just pray, just give it to Jesus. Had a sweet lady, first service, say, I'm stressed about this situation. I just need to give it to God. I said, just give it to Him. Just give it to the Spirit. Give it to Jesus. That's why He died. You don't have to worry and stress out about all those things. Just give it to Him. Do that this morning. If that's you, if you just got all this weight, and come forward. Don't be bashful. I mean, give it to Jesus. Let Him help you. Let Him teach you. Let Him provide peace. And if you're here and you're like, I know I know that, Dustin. I know what you're talking about. I don't want to come forward, but I'm struggling with this. Man, don't don't be prideful in this moment. Just give it to Jesus. As we worship, as we sing, proclaim the name of the Prince of Peace. Give it to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, so often we rely on ourselves to help ourselves, to teach ourselves, to find peace in this world by ourselves. And Father, we know we desperately need to rely on your Spirit. Oftentimes we neglect coming to you and tapping into this incredible gift that you have given us to walk through life the good, the bad and the ugly you've given to us to proclaim who you are to others to convict us of sin in our lives to say that's not like Jesus to teach us your word to say this is where truth is and to give us peace in times of difficulty so Father I pray as we respond as a church, as believers let us do that corporately during the song. Let it be not not just words to a song. Let it be our prayer of our hearts to say, "This I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. You are everything. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up, church. Let's close in worship. I'll be down front if you want to talk or want to pray about something.